This is not your century. This is Not Your Century, where we celebrate the news and the news media of centuries gone by. I'm King Kaufman. November 13th, 1953. Newspapers around the country have the story. There's a communist in the Indiana schools, and he needs to be removed. That's what Ada White says. The newspapers call her Mrs. Thomas J. White. She's a member of the Indiana Textbook Commission. That's the agency that approves books for use in the Hoosier State schools. And the communist she wants to get rid of is Robin Hood. You, the free men of this forest, swear to despoil the rich only to give to the poor, to shelter the old and the helpless, swear to fight for a free England, and swear to fight to the death against our oppressors. There is a communistic directive in education now to stress the story of Robin Hood, she said. They want to stress it because Robin Hood robbed from the rich and gave to the poor. That's the communist line. It's just a smearing of law and order, and anything that disrupts law and order is their meat. While we're at it, White says we should ban references to the Quakers. They don't believe in fighting wars, she says. All the men they can get to believe that they don't need to go to war, the better off the communists are. The United States had just finished fighting a war against communists in Korea four months earlier. But who knew when we might have to go fight them again? Did I say newspapers around the country had this story? The news flashed around the world. Pravda, the Soviet news agency, made fun of Ada White. Even the sheriff of Nottingham got in on the act. One of his long-ago predecessors was supposedly Robin Hood's nemesis, but the current sheriff, a bloke named William J. Vox, said the communists may claim a lot of things, But they can't claim Robin Hood. We're really proud of him. Well, Ada White didn't think any of this was very funny, but she also said she'd been misquoted. She wrote a letter to the Indianapolis Times, which had published the original story about her, and she said the paper had created many wrong impressions about her. Her point, she said, wasn't that Robin Hood was communist, but that communists can twist the story to make their agenda seem heroic. You know, taking from the rich and giving to the poor. The Indianapolis Times shut down in 1965, but for what it's worth, it stood by its story in 1953. Indiana State Superintendent of Schools Wilbur Young issued a statement that didn't reference Ada White by name, but said he had no doubt the communists have gone to work twisting the meaning of the Robin Hood legend. They undoubtedly have a red slant on Mother Goose, for that matter. He said Robin Hood, like all mythical figures, becomes what the individual wants him to become. He then went on to say that in the sad and sordid England of today, where the socialist doctrine is destroying everything, Robin Hood might be regarded by many as a pre-Marxist hero, which I don't know why we're talking about what they think in England when we're trying to figure out what textbooks to use in Indiana. Anyway, the happy ending for the Prince of Thieves Governor George Craig said he had no intention of banning Robin Hood from the Indiana schools. But that's not where this story ends. And not because Ada White kept right on trying to get all sorts of things banned for their supposedly communist ties for several more years. The next spring, five students at Indiana University were inspired to action by Ada White's move to ban Robin Hood. They went to the local poultry shop and bought six sacks of chicken feathers. They dyed them green like the one in Robin Hood's hat. Then they pinned them to every bulletin board on campus, 
along with an anonymous message slamming McCarthyism, the anti-communist hysteria of the kind that motivated Ada White. It was a bold move for the time. Campus activism wasn't really a thing. Indiana students still had mandatory ROTC. McCarthyism was supported by 50% in nationwide polls. The students, who called themselves the Merry Outlaws, petitioned for official recognition from the university as a student group. They were turned down because they were too political. The Green Feather Movement quickly moved beyond Bloomington, Indiana. College newspapers spread the word, as did socialists, communists, and labor organizations. Within a couple of months, there were Green Feather Movement chapters at universities from coast to coast. But it fizzled quickly when Wisconsin Senator Joe McCarthy was brought down at the end of 1954. The Green Feather Movement was kind of silly, and it didn't last long, but it had a profound effect. It connected a local struggle to a national organization, and it introduced a generation of students to the kind of campus activism that would be a hallmark of the 1960s. This has been Not Your Century, a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Audrey Cooper, Editor-in-Chief. Get great journalism today at sfchronicle.com. I'm King Kaufman. Talk to me on Twitter at King underscore Kaufman. We now return you to your century.